This morning I want to talk about kindness. So I think it's such an important element to bring in, especially in the middle of a retreat, where we might be working with things that are arising or we might be working with restlessness or who knows what's coming up. But bringing um, loving kindness to, to the moment, to the day, is, a, is an important ingredient and a wonderful balm for whatever might, might be arising. And within the, the atmosphere of calling forth kindness, I want to talk about a topic that's come up a couple of times in conversation with people and also one of the questions from last night, which is about racism, injustice, discrimination and also how to present the Buddhist teachings when we're asked or we're in a situation where this is the kind of thing that's under consideration. And it's always been a real comfort to me ever since coming to learn about the Buddha and his teachings is that we stand on such solid ground with a teacher like the Buddha, in terms of what he taught about these things. And I want to share the sutta, or at least pieces of it. I'll tell you the story. And it's a, there's a little bit of the translation of it, so that you can get the idea. I think I might have mentioned it last night. It's it's a sutta discourse that's in the middle-length discourses, and it's called With Viseta. And the situation is that there were these two young Brahmin men who were friends and both very learned and accomplished, and they were having this discussion. Uh, and this is, this is from the, the text. As the Brahmin students Vaseta and Bharadvaja were going for a walk, they began to discuss the question of how one is a Brahmin. So at that time, the Brahmin caste was really making an all-out effort to place itself above all others. This idea that they're superior, which of course is an idea, is a is a situation we find everywhere in human society, one way or another. And Bharadvaja said, when you're well born on both your mother's and father's side, of pure descent, irrefutable and impeccable in questions of ancestry back to the seventh paternal generation, then you're a Brahmin. And Vaseta said this, when you're ethical and accomplished in doing your duties, then you're a Brahmin. So they couldn't persuade each other. They couldn't uh, 
win each other over to their way of thinking, so they decided to visit the Buddha and ask him. And their question was, is one a Brahmin by birth or action? Now the Buddha had a knack for picking up the words and terms of his day and changing their meaning, um, really ennobling the meaning. And when he used the word Brahman, he talked about someone who's noble. How is it that we can be noble? And of course, in many places in the suttas, we'll see that the Buddha describes what that's like, a very ethical, ethical life, developing wisdom, developing compassion, being generous, being fair. You know, there is a whole list. So then the Buddha explains, he says, I'm going to teach you about kind of the in one, in one translation, they call it the taxonomy of, of different species and birth. And he goes through, he starts with trees and grass, and he said, even though they're not conscious, they're identified by their birth, their origin of the species. And then he talks about fish and birds and snakes and Moths and butterflies, he actually comes from the, the insects going up, right? Four-legged animals. He's that all of the animals, they're distinguished by their birth. But he said when it comes to human beings, no differences of birth make a distinctive mark in a human. Of course, we make sense of that because we identify different species, he said, with humans, not the hair on their head, nor their ears, nor their eyes. Actually, that was not their hair, nor their head, <laughs> nor their ears, nor their eyes, nor their mouth, nor their nose, nor the lips, nor the brows, nor the shoulders or neck, nor belly or back, not buttocks or breast, not the genitals or ways of mating. Not hands or feet, not fingers or nails, not knees or thighs, not their color or their voice. Here birth makes no distinctive mark. In human beings, in themselves, nothing distinctive can be found. Distinction among human beings is purely verbal designation. It's just labels. Then the Buddha goes through a long list of the things that go into developing true distinction, nobility in ourselves, available to every human being. And basically it's the path and the results of following the path. So for us, looking at the, the issues that we find in our society, and of course, this has gone back forever. In human beings, we stand on really solid ground to be able to say these differences, while it's important to acknowledge them, 
to bring understanding to what people have suffered because of the distinctions that are made about us that we that we can refer to a, I think a pretty awesome authority to remember and explain how it doesn't matter. That's not what matters. I also, I'm going to post this, I also put at the bottom a reference to another sutta called the simile of the saw that talks about hatred. And again, when the, um, the thought, the discussion comes to hatred, the Buddha is unequivocal about it. That particular discourse came when I think there were probably, there was probably some um, discord among the monks and some sharp words. And the Buddha talks about, tells this story about um, a servant girl who worked for this woman who had a very good reputation of being kind and gentle. And she, the servant girl, kind of tests this by getting up late in the morning. And her mistress is angry with her. And she does it again the next day, and her mistress is more angry with her. And on the third day, the mistress hits her over the head with a rolling pin or something. And she's bleeding, and she's saying to people, you think she's so nice? <laughs> and, um, and so the Buddha uses this to, to say to the monks, then he says, you know, it's okay to be kind Easy to be kind when things are going the way you want, but when they're not going the way we want, are we still kind, patient? And by the end of, he, he, it's a beautiful description of speech, um, uh, really skillful speech. And then at the end, he says, and many of you may know this, if bandits came along with a two-handled saw and they started sawing off your limbs, if a thought of hatred arises in your mind towards them, you're not following my teachings. It's a pretty high bar. <laughs> and he's trying to make a point because then he says to the monk, so if you keep that in mind, what could anyone possibly say to you that would make you angry? And the monks are like, right, <laughs> okay, <laughs> give that up. But again, it gives us some, um, some basis for holding our values. And the Buddha was, was clear about calling out what's in, improper or inappropriate, what's wrong, and, and standing up against that. And we can be too. But he also taught the approach of um, non-conflict. So he said, people argue with me, but I don't argue with them. And it's a way of being really solid in what we believe, what we trust, what we value. 
And then bringing a lot of kindness and compassion to the situations we find ourselves in, where we can be fair and compassionate regardless of what other people believe, knowing the suffering that's there. Because it's huge suffering to hold this kind of hatred or... um, even that sense of self to prop ourselves up, to be superior, or for that matter, to put ourselves below, or even equal, that defending our identity, our position, our you know, way of life. If our way of life is harming other beings, there's suffering in it for us, too. So these are some ways that I hope um, you can find support in how to take a stand in the world without being in conflict. Just solid, secure, wise, compassionate. And that even in our own minds, when... When the mind is coming up with things that we know are unskillful and we see it, first we accept that that's the way it is. This is what we need to do externally and internally. Kindness, understanding, and acceptance. Not to believe or agree with things that are off, but to just accept that this is the situation at the time. Sometimes people will say, I had this horrible thought. I can't believe I even could think such a horrible thought. And, it, and there's a feeling bad that this thought arose in the mind. But that's just from somewhere in the past. We don't take responsibility for that. If we come to that thought by going, wow, look at that. And, and, and seeing it outside of ourselves as a process, it's the process of whatever's gone on with this stream of consciousness or however you want to describe it. Look at that. Look at that flash of jealousy that happened there. I thought I, thought I was past that. <laughs> whatever we think we are or anything, don't let that get in the way of being able to look at it and go, okay, this I reject. I'm not going to follow it. But the heart never has to go into self-recrimination or the, the, the putting down of others. It can, it can hold it this, with compassion, with kindness, and be clear, crystal clear in our wisdom about what's right and what's wrong. So, I don't think I've mentioned this to you as a group, but in case I have, let it, hopefully it'll be a helpful reinforcement. It's clear in reading the suttas that the Buddha suggests a different way of handling feelings from the way we handle thoughts. So if a feeling arises, anger, jealousy, resentment, um, fear, grief, 
If it's something that is more than a flash, if it's something that is related to uh, some kind of unresolved or as yet unexamined situation, then we it's it's wise to be stay present with that feeling as it works its way through our system. It's a little it it. It's a little tricky in a way because we want to make sure we don't fuel the thoughts. I mean, fuel the feelings with more thoughts. We don't want to fuel them if they're um, sort of painful or hurtful thoughts. I mean, feelings, sorry. (laughs) Painful or hurtful, uh, difficult feelings. We don't want to fuel them with our way of thinking. But we want to be present with them and let them move through and let them go. With thoughts, if there are unskillful thoughts in the mind, the Buddha said, don't tolerate it. Abandon them. Cut them off. Again, he was unequivocal about it. Thoughts of ill will, thoughts of cruelty, now, these are things that we should abandon. And it, it's the case a lot of times when people talk about their feelings. Even if, even if we ask, like, what are the thoughts that were coming up at the time? There, there may not be an awareness that there are thoughts there that are actually fueling these feelings. So that's a very useful skill to develop. Like, okay, this is how I'm feeling. What are the thoughts that are happening? And how do the thoughts keep it going? And then abandon the thoughts that are unskillful. Again, without self-blame or criticism, thoughts arise in the mind. We get to choose what to do with them. I can't overemphasize the importance of holding a mind of kindness and compassion around all of it. Um, and, and throughout the day today, I would encourage you to bring compassion and kindness forward in your mind as you, as you, um, Notice what's coming up for you. Notice what thoughts you might have about anyone else, whether they're here or any other place. Um, Whatever thoughts you might have about the world, whatever you might see out in nature today. If you can first and foremost establish kindness and then look at what's there. It makes a huge difference. And it never means that we get cloudy or fuzzy about what's actually good or bad, that we're clear about it. We can have firm boundaries. We can have clear um, ways to respond, to, to take action, take a stand, and it can still be grounded in kindness. Not only is it 
supportive of um, our well-being in the moment. But through this approach, you can be, um, we, we can develop a depth of kindness that eventually helps us understand that there's no benefit at all from any kind of ill will or hatred. That we want to remove every shred of it from our consciousness, from our, from our mind. So I think I'll close the comments there and I'll post this uh, short summary of the Vaseta Sutta. I'm also going to post uh, one of the poems of um, the Terigata that we haven't explained. Um, but we can talk about it more later if you have questions. You can ask those questions um, for our next Q&A session. It's a poem of Patachara, who is the foremost teacher of the Vinaya, I think is what the Buddha acknowledged her for. And she was talking to other nuns who were mothers who had lost their children. So can read that and see what you think. So, take good care of your hearts. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.